0: Hey, welcome to episode 12 of the Jibs Podcast. I am here with Ali Dora, the founder of Warfare Relief.
1: It's just about getting up and doing it, and like you know, finding the time, finding the people, and making it happen. You take control, and you say, "Okay, this needs to be done," and you do it. And you're never ready to start a business. You <laughs> just either you either do it or you don't.
0: Welcome to the Jibs Podcast, showcasing Detroit's movers and shakers, bringing you stories that reveal the gusto and grit that's long defined the city and its people. Together, we'll uncover the history and direction of the Motor City, one voice at a time. This is the Jibs Podcast with Jabron Ahmed.
1: Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I really, really appreciate it. Uh, uh, no, for those of you who don't know, we actually tried to record this yeah. uh, week, like months ago. but
0: Yeah, I mean like this podcast journey has been awesome, uh, but I learned a lot of lessons in the beginning yeah. uh, about like audio recording. So. Well, glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, to be,
1: in fact, we're, we're actually in, the, uh, uh, in a community center, which is awesome. So excited to be here, man. Thank you again. So, yeah, my name is Ali Dora. I am currently the director and founder of Orphan Relief, which is a 501c3 nonprofit based here in Detroit. And our mission is to provide that holistic care for foster kids locally and internationally um, by really inspiring uh, college students to take on a philanthropy or leadership role. Um, You know, it's my philosophy to provide the long lasting uh, change. You know, I started off having, um, you know, providing that service, that single service to a specific demographic, which is awesome because you do make an impact. But to leave a footprint, to leave a legacy, uh, we believe that you have to bring philanthropy over and make it more accessible for the college students or high school students in general. And in doing that, uh, you kind of have that domino effect. You inspire leaders, you inspire change, and philanthropy becomes accessible to college students. You know, uh, that's part of what makes Orphan Relief very unique. Uh, we thought that, you know, we, we saw that there was a deficiency in that philanthropy was only accessible for the top 1%. Those who are, those who have millions of dollars or six figures, they can contribute and make a difference in society. Uh, I didn't find that to be very reasonable. I wanted to make that difference. I was very hungry for that. And so we tried to bring that down to uh, to the college level. And so Orphan started and it's been one hell of a journey. I'm so excited for, you know, what's to come.
0: Can you talk about how you started the organization and what inspired you? Most definitely.
1: Um, So I started, uh, it it was me and my cousin who started off Orphan Relief back when we were, I think, sophomores in college. Um, And like I said, we we saw our role models, whether it was Elon Musk or whether it was uh, Bill Gates really making a an impact in this world, and we really wanted to uh, have that same caliber of change, um, and we didn't see that really on the on the campus. We, we really didn't, and everything that was being done on campus, whether it's book drives or whether it's you know sponsoring uh, you know a, a care package, that's all great, but we didn't feel like we had that tangible change, um, and so we uh, we went out one night and we went to a restaurant and we both had this awesome idea to pitch and we pitched the same idea and that let's create a nonprofit where we bring the tools the skill sets and the vision uh, to college students and let them be the change let them create uh, let them create the impact you know so why is it that we have to give it off to a huge corporate you know uh, business and let them do it let, let us do it um, so we started off with Orphan Relief in 2012 and our first kind of go-to project was to build. It uh, was called the Build a Well campaign, and it was just to it was this idea of okay, we have a very vulnerable demographic, which is orphans and widows and vulnerable children, kids with HIV, um, and that we wanted to provide uh, you know some form of sanitary care. So we decided to build a water well, a shallow borehole water well in Africa. Um, and we didn't know where to start really. We had this idea that was very ambitious at the time that we were going to do this um, But you know, it's all fine and dandy on paper But when you, know, you have to get to work and raise thousands of dollars, it's very difficult um, So here we were sophomores. We, we had we were both pre meds and um, At that time we didn't know where to start. So we went to Borders, still Borders uh, Borders <laughs> Barnes & Noble, Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we, we got uh, the How to Start a Nonprofit for Dummies and Listen yeah. to Workshops and TED Talks and all this stuff. And uh, we filled out the, the 501c3 paperwork, the F1023 or F whatever. Uh, 1023. <laughs> That's a very daunting uh, form. Uh, but yeah, we filled that out. Um, we had our mentors, uh, our advisors with us at all times. We spoke to CPAs and lawyers. And eventually we put a board of directors together, which was all from, all consisted of, uh, college students and we started fundraising and when we fundraised we felt like we had enough money. We contacted NGOs across uh, different countries and we found one that we could trust and we built that water wells From there it was cascading events and since 2012 we've built over 10 water wells in Africa. Um, we've also branched out to university chapters. Um, where. We have one at Oakland University. We have one at University of Michigan. We have one at Wayne State. Opening one in Detroit Mercy. Opening one in Ann Arbor. Hopefully more to come. Right. Uh, but but these uh, these chapters work as a hub um, or like a satellite location for Orphan Relief uh, to provide that kind of care. So uh, Oakland University is currently working on sponsoring the education of 23 orphans in Ghana. Excuse me, which is a fantastic project. I, I absolutely love the idea of. Uh, given them those essentials, you know, to kickstart their careers. Uh, Wayne State is actually starting a uh, a mentorship program here in Detroit, which is incredible. Uh, that is the one that I'm most excited about because I see orphan Relief for ten years or five years working completely locally and limiting its work from international work. Not like not to say that there's anything wrong with international work, but we'd like to see that change here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that mentorship program that's taking place in uh, by Wayne State. Um, and uh, University of Michigan is also creating a scholarship uh, to, to attach to the uh, mentoring program. So they have, they're have raising them about $6,000 for any qualified foster child or, or orphan uh, child applying to a higher education. Uh, so we're trying our best to limit the variables uh, for them to really uh, succeed in this life. Um, and I'm really, really excited to be part of it. Um, as time goes on, and as more uh, people join the team, we're capable of doing a lot more. So, as I mentioned, uh, we, you know, we're starting off the food crate, for example, the Odyssey mentoring uh, as another component, and I'm just so excited to see it all come together. You know,
0: uh, so you, I mean, you've been around for like six years now, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's that's really impressive for a nonprofit, for a small nonprofit, uh, and you guys have grown. So, what kind of challenges have you faced, like? premier challenges right. that you can think of and obstacles that you faced from starting it up until now?
1: So, we faced a lot of criticism, we faced a lot of challenges uh, growing from 2012 really. And A lot of it has to do with personal development. Um, as a leader you change, as a leader you, you learn. Um, and there was a lot of times where I felt like uh, Orphan Relief uh, was, was going to be very difficult to make it. Uh, seeing that in order to have a successful nonprofit, uh, you not only have to have a drive, personal drive That's one, it's a very a critical component. You need a leader who is incredibly passionate about the work that you're doing, but you need a team that shares that kind of uh, mentality. And sometimes, uh, I mean, as you know, in another nonprofit sector, you don't have, uh, we don't have financial, you know, we don't have a financial like, bank that you just pay people. Uh, Pay our volunteers, so that's a very difficult thing for us. Um, you can be so you're so passionate, but because you're working with students, it's very difficult to incentivize it. You know, you can tell them this is a great work that you're doing. You know, uh, this nonprofit field is, is admirable; it's going to pay off eventually, but um, it's it's very difficult. So uh, to survive, I think you need a very strong team. That's number one. You have to have strong drive as a leader. Um, and I think the most important concept to develop that leadership, to develop a proper team, is to release ownership as somebody who started the organization. You have to come to the realization that this isn't yours, it doesn't belong to you. Orphan Relief doesn't belong to me, it belongs to everybody that is part of Orphan Relief. And I think with that, you provide ownership to them, to our volunteers, to our board members, to our committee members then they feel a responsibility to take up to the next level, to do it better than you. And when they can do it better than you, that's when you can sit back, as somebody who started the organization, started this entire initiative, to sit back and say, you know, I, I, did, I, I left the legacy, and this is, this is what makes me happy. Not to see that there's a direct effect. You know, I actually had a meeting with Wayne State, the Wayne State Board not too long ago, and one of the topics were, you know, I, I opened up the meeting saying, what is our number one priority? And everyone was like, we're, we're here for the orphans. I'm like, That's great. That's awesome. But to be honest with you, my priority is you guys. It's the team. You know, it's fantastic what you're doing for the kids. That's awesome. I'm not not negating that. But what's important is the team. I want to build good team chemistry. I want to have a proper team with good values and principles. If you could carry yourself with Orphan Relief demeanor and ethics and have that core principle, that ethos, nothing can take you down. Orphan Relief will be indestructible. I don't care what happens. If we lose funding, we lose funding. If a project doesn't go well, it doesn't go well, that's fine. But the core is there, the principles remain, and that's everlasting. So for me, it's the, the the main priority is the team. And providing that ownership for the team and telling them, you know, at the end of the day, this is not me saying it for the sake of saying it. I genuinely work for, for I work for my team. It's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anybody to mistake that, especially my team. I tell them, every time I'm here for you guys, you tell me what to do. Because it, this organization belongs to you, genuinely. And it wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. It wouldn't be here with the people, without you know, those who supported Orphan Relief, let alone the team. So that's something I'm incredibly passionate about. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we, our vision for Orphan Relief is to provide that care by inspiring the leaders. Because when you inspire them, you could go away. Something can happen to you. You could pass away. You could leave to New York City. You do whatever, and things will still be running because you've left it into proper hands, good hands. You know, um, that is the easy answer. And then there's also the, uh, the fact that you need funding for, for right. a nonprofit, and that is something that we've talked we've talked about in the past. Um, it's very difficult. Grants are very hard. It's very competitive. We know that you're writing grants now. It's very very hard. Um, Business sponsors very difficult to have, um, and overall getting donations is not an easy thing. Uh, it's not like we have uh, an infinite supply of money, and that is also can cripple and can really slow you down. So, uh, managing the, the administrative side of things as well as the internal team chemistry is is a balance and requires both uh, to have a long-lasting uh, organization or a nonprofit, especially here in Detroit. What,
0: I mean, you mentioned you know giving that ownership to your team uh, as a leader. How have you grown, and how did you learn to come
1: to that point that you have to give your? Yeah. So um, at first, uh, it's it's you know I believe it, I believe being a leader is not something you're born with. I think that's something that you have the. I think you, you have the traits of developing. Um, and I think with enough training and enough experience, uh, you, you become the leader that you uh, hope to see, you know, hope to, be, hope to, be, hope to become. Um, I think that starts with, you know, the hardships that come along with it. You know, when there's internal conflicts, when there's external conflicts and you have to make a decision, you know, you have to make an executive decision that's best for, that's best for the organization's longevity and that's a very difficult thing to do. Because you know you're going to upset people. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that, you know, in doing these decisions over the course of time and leading an organization and really trying to make an impact, I've learned that people flourish when they have that responsibility. Nobody wants to make that call. When there is a call that needs to be made and that they're knowing that there's going to be some backlash to it, nobody wants to make it. Mm-hmm. And people will be reserved. And as soon as you tell them, hey, no, look, you are in charge even though they don't think they're in charge, but listen, you're in charge, what do you think? You give them that call and then you start to see things that usually you would not see. You would start to see that creativity, the initiatives that start taking place, you know, and they start coming up with awesome ideas that you've honestly, as an individual that's been in the field for quite some time, you haven't seen. It brings new light and in doing that over the course of time, you start to build a habit and that in your team starts to take take initiative Mm -hmm. and, um, you start to see things being shifted in a different direction, which is awesome. You don't want to stay on the same kind of mentality moving forward over the course of years. Your project is supposed to change colors. It's supposed to maneuver depending on how obstacles come your way. Um, The only way that can take place is if new leadership takes takes over and uh, these people are genuinely invested. The only way they are genuinely invested is if they feel like they're in control. And they are in control. You know, uh, it's not giving them the pseudo thought of being in control. No, you have full say. You, this is your baby, and treat it as such. Um, obviously, this comes with advising and mentoring, and what I'm trying to do uh, from from where I am in New York is providing that advisor mentoring role. Uh, every previous president would uh, would then pass the baton over to. The uh, the president elect, I guess, Um, and then there will be a board of advisors that kind of they're the go to for any any uh, issues that happen within within the board. But nonetheless, the job remains the same. You are in charge, and you have to make the call ultimately. I tell them, look, this is what I would do, but this is your organization. What do you think is best? And when you when you pass that over. Honestly, I can't even explain it in words. I'm trying my best to, to find the right words to say, but it's really genuinely, it's like a spark just you start to see it mm-hmm. and they start killing the game. And you just get I'm so I'm so proud of my team, I'm so happy to see where they are. Obviously there's a lot of room for improvement, not to say that everything's perfect, mm-hmm. but the tools are there, the skill set. I remember I was having a, a performance review with one of the presidents, and I, I was telling her that, hey look, I would not switch you out for anybody. Anybody, despite the fact that you know sometimes there's internal conflicts and external conflicts, you have the passion, the drive, the the constant assessment and troubleshooting of, of issues, trying to work out uh, and become a better leader. For me, and this is also for me in my personal life, Debron, process over product, mm-hmm. process over product. I don't care about uh, you know you. Putting out a product, the process of it. How are you becoming a leader? How are you making that difference? How are you growing internally? If I could see that, if I can see that change and see that growth, to me that's sufficient, and that's sufficient for the organization as well. So, I mean, I mean, a,
0: a nonprofit running a nonprofit is no easy task. Uh, legally, it's a crazy structure. Yeah. <laughs> Tell and you me about You have to ask people for money, which always yeah. sucks. Uh, so, what kind of advice would you have for people, either watching or listening, uh, that if they wanted to start a nonprofit, what kind of advice would you give
1: them? Okay. I've seen so many nonprofits come and go. It's, it's honestly disheartening because clearly you've started off a nonprofit for a reason. You're passionate about something, you want to make a change, and you're excited and motivated. And doesn't it pan, pan out the way you want it? And, it, and the, the organization of the product dies out after like maybe a few months. And that's very unfortunate. The reason why that happens is because uh, people underestimate the stressors that are involved with the nonprofit field. Very much so. They don't understand that it's not a project. You're not here to fulfill a project. You're here for a mission. Mission, a vision. You have to, to, to really leave a footprint. And you're passionate about this so you came with ideas you came to f- to create a board so part of it is a technical component to it and we'll talk about that the other is more of a value-based component so you have to have the internal value of coming here and leaving that legacy and that you are incredibly passionate about this and that nothing is going to come and take that away from you i don't care what happens whether it's financial stressors whether it's external stressors or external pressures or internal issues Or let's say you get too busy, which we see with a lot of young entrepreneurs. You get too busy with your personal life and then you decide to take a step back. Mm -hmm. And that's not really how this works. When you come into this field, you have to understand that you're here as a public servant. You came here with an idea. To really make that difference, you have to be sold on that 100%. It has to be a priority. Look, when I tell myself, when I tell my peers, when I eventually become a physician, I'm always going to be a philanthropist first, physician second, and not the other way around. My priorities are, are present and, and they're, they're, they're there. And I see it and it's vivid for me and it's not changing. The reason why I'm going into this healthcare field is primarily to fuel orphan relief. And that's just how it is. I'm extremely passionate about this. And I encourage every person who is starting with a nonprofit, to be completely sold with the image and the idea and, and 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 just your creation understand that this is ultimately your baby and you have to take care of it as if it's a child you know so part of it is value based the other is technical based there is going to be a lot of technical hurdles that you're going to have to overcome we know that whether it's admin fees whether it's lawyer fees whether it's paperwork whether it's Funding and grants and public uh, public support or rallying up the community or creating a team or team building exercises powwow sessions it's hard. Now you take these technical standards, take these personal standards, and then mix it all with your personal life. We all have lives, mm-hmm. right? We all go in school. We're all we're all you know pursuing different things. It becomes hard to juggle. It really does. So one thing I encourage uh, people to start doing is organizing. You know, especially when, when starting a nonprofit, organizing your time properly. Okay? Understand that it, it does come with its hurdles. It does come with obstacles. It comes with a lot of stressors. But if you're passionate and if you, your priorities are, in straight, are, are straight, you will not back down. Things might happen. You might take a hiatus, but you will come back and you'll become stronger because of it and you will create that big of a difference. Um, also encourage people to listen, to, to, to uh, admit to their ignorance, if you will. If you don't know something, search it, go to the bookstore, read up on it, Uh, watch a TED talk, watch uh, a seminar, watch a podcast, listen to a podcast, you know, these are essential steps. Reach out to mentors, don't be afraid to to email a, uh, you know, a senior member of a company and explain yourself, you're going to get rejected, nine times out of 10. But on the off chance that one of those 10 people respond, you got yourself a networking uh, opportunity. You got yourself a mentor, and these are the steps that you need to take. You have to take initiative. You have to be organized, and you have to be driven. Ultimately, and in this in this day and age, especially nonprofits, they don't get much um, support from from you know it, from from the from the private sector. They really don't. Businesses are all in What's in it for me, right? So you have to create that on yourself, and you have to really play the game. Uh, to really appeal to the general public and to the private sector and make it happen, ultimately. It's going to be difficult, but I'll tell you what, it's very, very much worth it. What motivates
0: you to even pursue this mission-driven part of your life um, every day? What do you wake up thinking
1: about? So for me, uh, Jabron, I think this is a very... uh, this is a very, uh, I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about this, and, and just when you ask me that, it's very hard for me to even put the words together because there's so much emotion that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. I think with every individual on a personal level, need to develop their purpose, their why. Why do you wake up in the morning? Why do you do what you do? Um, why do you, you know, why are you studying when you're studying? Why are you working where you're working? Um, and a lot of us during during when we develop, we have that kind of. Crisis, that personal crisis as to what are we doing? We get stuck in this routine and it starts to depress us, it starts to hold us down. So for me, I've had this kind of realization a while back that that I'm not living this life, and I know this sounds really like, you know, uh, it sounds too like abstract, <laughs> but I genuinely came to the realization that I'm, I'm not living this life necessarily for, for me. That I'm here for a reason. I remember, um, you know, getting a report from UNICEF about a Syrian um, refugee Mm -hmm. and uh, she had a kid that was orphaned. And she was clenching the kid and I'll never forget it, reading the report and looking at her face. Now the kid was very, uh, very confused and dazed, you know, obviously coming from a war struck region, didn't know what's going on. You could see that he was distraught, but it wasn't much. But the woman in that picture, the mother, you could see the pain you could see the hurt She a tear falling and i swear to you every time i have a hard time getting up in the morning doing what i'm doing what i Family for doing what i'm doing in school i honestly remember that picture i remember that story and for me that fuels me so having a personal reason a personal why and i have this personal philosophy that we are all here for a reason that's why we're living that's why we're breathing with that's why we're having this conversation today And if it wasn't for our reason, we have a legacy to fulfill. And until we fulfill that legacy, you have a job to do. This is, and and you have to sculpt that person. You know, I am not qualified to do what I want to do, yet. And until I take on that personal responsibility, until I am capable of saying, hey look, I have certain deficiencies, but I'm willing to acknowledge them, and I'm willing to work on them. Craft that person. Craft the ideal person that is one day, Hopefully, going to create that difference that you believe, that purpose, that drive, that why. Uh, it's not what. It's not what am I going to do. It's why, and it's that's the reason why you should get up in the morning. For me, uh, it stems from a lot of personal experiences. For me personally, orphan relief, I am very much invested in, uh, primarily because of you know the experiences that I saw overseas, the primarily the, the, the reports that I see, um, and I just came to that realization that this is what I'm here for. And every day that goes on, I hope to be, uh, hope to grow, hope to perfect myself. I think, like I said, it's the journey, it's the process of that growth that matters to me, not the product. So hopefully in that journey, I'm capable to become that person to really fulfill that original mission that I came up with.
0: Right, right, clearly. Uh, what is Orphan, Refl- Orphan Relief working on right now? What are you excited about in the future? Um, are you doing anything cool?
1: Maybe something's are secret? <laughs> so this is the juice! <laughs> this is the juice! Um, yeah, Orphan Relief um, is... A lot of what Orphan Relief does as a board uh, stays kind of bulky uh, only because um, the original board of directors are in graduate school so it's very difficult for us to come out and really make that public statement that this is what we're going to do. Um, we had, you know, one of my... I usually overpromise. <laughs> So I've learned to take a step back and just keep things uh, low key while you know our university chapters take a more active role. But orphan relief right now um, is setting up a about like a five year plan to see going going forward. We hope to see the mentoring program program develop into a unique space. Hopefully, we can have a place where we could uh, start taking on this mentoring program. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, and taking foster kids here in Detroit. Coffee man, <laughs> uh, taking the, the the mentoring program into a unique space where we could grow and thrive. The mentoring program, I'm not sure if I described it to you, but it's a it's a, a the seven dimensions of wellness is packed on seven dimensions of wellness, which is mental, spiritual, physical, environmental, occupational. Um, so it's not just uh, tutoring. It's not just uh, you know uh, inspiring or motivating. It's incorporating everything. So. And giving them the elite care, brother. So, like, uh, I believe that this demographic, these foster kids or these uh, underprivileged kids deserve the best, 100%. So why not partner up with the University of Michigan and our medical school and giving them tours, access to the building, access to the facility, inspiring them to see, hey, you could be this or to law school or to entrepreneur, you know, to, to, uh, to become entrepreneurs one day. You know, th- this is very vital for, for the growth of these kids, so that's one occupational uh, wellness, uh, physical wellness. You know, having trainers and physical therapists and um, personal trainers give them to come to the mentoring program and, and show them uh, proper exercises and routines mm-hmm. for them to optimize their health, along with dietitians, along with those uh, uh, you know recipes and and ingredients that we'll provide to the food crate, which is another aspect of Orphan Relief, where we provide them with free organic produce and and meats and whatever it is that they need to really optimize their component of health. Um, Yoga, for example, teaching them how to be more mindful uh, in the present moment, to deal with some of the trauma that they have uh, dealt with in their past and to be uh, more present. Um, So for us, it's it's a multidimensional component. Um, and we want to bring that here to Detroit. So we want to move from Dearborn, hopefully, to, you know, hopefully, this location uh, and have, a, oh, yeah, so um, to, to have personalized meals that are created by qualified individuals to, to, to give, to give, you know, tailored specifically for these orphans. So um, the food crate is uh, still in its infancy stage, so we're still working with sponsors, still working on designs, uh, but hopefully that will be kick in, uh, in the summer or in the fall uh, once the mentorship program kicks up. Um, with other chapters, we hope to really uh, encourage students. Uh, so if you guys are listening, uh, if you're if you're in a college campus and you want to start orphan relief, just reach out to me, uh, and we'll, yeah. leave, we'll leave information uh, in the description uh where you can do that. But we we want to really expand orphan relief to other chapters. Um, I think that's very very essential uh, because that's that domino effect. If we could hit other campuses, by all means, let's do it. Um, and when we could collaborate from different campuses and different uh, Different communities. I think that's when we really start making a difference, you know. So uh, hopefully, long term, we will develop that mentoring like program. Hopefully, eventually, in like a decade, we could have our own space, our own building where uh, we can we could have everything taking place there—a gym, um, a garden, uh, classrooms, an office space. Uh, that's down the line, and that's hopefully when I can I get to do this full
0: time. Uh, for people listening and people watching, where can they find you if they
1: want to get in contact? Awesome, so uh, we are actually on theorphanrelief.org, that's theorphanrelief.org, um, and if you want to reach out to me, uh, my email is director at theorphanrelief.com or .org, yes, <laughs> 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 director at theorphanrelief.org, uh, please reach out, um, we would love to We would love to actually expand, and if you have any questions about what we do, we'd love to answer those. Cool, well, Ali, thank you for being on the show. Um, and until next time,
0: guys, stay tuned. Thank you so much.